Hi, I'm Molly Moran, and this is the Table Wine Podcast. I am joined today by my delightful co-host, Andy Stoiber. Hello, feeling very delightful right now. Are you? You're such yes. a delight, Andy. How are you? you? Do. I'm good. I'm good. I'm warm, but good, and I'm cooling off. Good. So I was yeah. going to pay Andy this compliment before we started recording, and then I said, why would I do that? Why not share it with the whole world? So hey, whole world, here we are. I ran into an old friend of both of ours, Karina, who works at oh. Sardine in Madison. If any of you live in Madison, you probably know Karina as the most charming <laughs> bartender that has ever existed. Um, yes. Yeah, she's just a delight. And why I'm bringing this up is that Karina is a savvy wine person, and she's been a customer at Table Wine for a long time. And she told me that she started listening to our podcast and that she totally binged it. And she loves our rapport. And she's like, it's like legitimately good. And I was like, thanks. It was oh. <laughs> so sweet. And I think one of the things that I that I really appreciated, and I feel like you'll appreciate this, Andy, is that she was talking about how like when you have creative friends, you like you want to see their creative thing. You want to go to their music show or their play or whatever. And she's like, but you know, there's like always that, like you're kind of like cringy, mm. embarrassed for them when it's not good. And she was <laughs> like, and you guys, I don't have to do that. Like it's genuinely good. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you, Karina. That's so sweet. I just shared this similarly related, the cringiness of things. My partner, Axel, he gets anxious about being in theaters, like play, like for plays in particular, when there's a live performance on stage. Because my understanding, and I, now I'll tell me if I'm wrong later, but that he's anxious about the actors like messing up or embarrassing themselves and like feels intensely awkward for them, which I think is hilarious and fair, though, at the same time, because bad art is an awkward thing to witness <laughs> or like awkward art, you know, and there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate this. I'm glad we're not awkward, embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you to all of you who have told us that we're not cringy. Yeah. <laughs> no cringe. Great. I told Karina yesterday, I was roommates with a girl in college who had a, an improv troupe. And so we uh. go most weeks, you know, you go support your roommate and she had this very painful breakup that was like very unexpected high school boyfriend that they, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she decided not to cancel the show. It was Valentine's Day weekend. And so she did uh. quote unquote comedy. It was <laughs> honestly like one of the most painful things in the world to witness. It was like watching a, it was like sitting in the room. The ex-boyfriend wasn't even in the troupe, but he came to the show oh. and she like worked out all her emotions on stage and I was like holy fuck like oh. need a therapist yeah so. that's public therapy in like a weird way yeah that's it was rough <laughs> improv <laughs> troops gotta yeah. love it improv troop <laughs> <laughs> how's your Beautiful. improv life oh good question I think Molly is referring to whoopin' soccer. Yeah, is it improv? Is, that... is it technically improv? That's okay. Good question. So whoopin' soccer, this arts education group, we take children's third and fourth grade stories and adapt them into play, like little sketches, kind of like SNL. Someone actually, a mom reviewed a whoopin' soccer show on Facebook that we saw and described, or I guess her kid described it to her as SNL for kids, and oh, so that I was that. sweet. And so the process is very improvisational because it is just like, here's a kid who wrote some random story. And then the adaptation is like, what if we did this? And it, it is very playful. And you kind of just put it up for 
your peer, like the cast that you're with working together. And then it's like, okay, great. And you move on. So it's like improv that then you just concrete ties, crystallize it. Yeah. Okay. Often, if that makes sense, depending okay. on the thing. But I did, I always, I did always want to dabble in improv, but something about me, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the improv type. I don't I think know. You could be. I don't Thank know. Thank you. I think you could do it. Thanks. I could not. <laughs> I think it's funny. The bright, it, it does feel like about who you're doing it with seems very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would be cringing with embarrassment. <laughs> this is a good listener call in. Um, if you have any good improv experience. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> what you've seen. I mean, we're just north of Chicago and there are the mm-hmm. improv paradise there. Right. Right. So love it. Should we drink some wine? Yeah. We can improvise talking about wine. <laughs> And it's time to pop the cork. Ooh. Screw, unscrew some things. Yeah. Unscrew the screw cap. So all summer long, we're picking summer wines, things that we think need to be on your radar if they're not already. And one of the categories of summer wines that Andy and I both adore and that we do, Mm -hmm. I still think is overlooked, is the chillable red, right? Yep. Chillable red, which it seems like the term chillable red, because now it's literally plastered on like that box of Sangiovese, the Sandy Giovese, right? Yeah. I'm curious when it came on your radar, the chillable red thing. Was it always been there? Calling it specifically a chillable red? Kind of, yeah, because I feel like that's the trend. So I'm curious when you've noticed the trend appear. Most definitely. Yes, most definitely the trend has appeared. Like I feel like there has always been amongst savvy wine drinkers there's always been this like you know you could drink your red wines with a significant chill on them particularly when it's hot outside and like that's always been out there there are certain styles particularly i I would say particularly of italian wines where like that's like how that wine is always served right or like i think people will come back from provence and they'll say like and i had red wine but it was served like pretty cold and you're like yeah mm -hmm, yep that's what they do there because it's really hot in terms of the phrase chillable red and then kind of the trend and the marketing I would say it's been a few years now I started to see it on menus on the coasts I don't know I guess a little more than five years ago maybe more than that okay Um, and then kind of like filtered Mm -hmm. right and I know that like before the pandemic, we were doing it on our by the glass menu. Yeah. 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 And it's a great thing. And so I just want to establish that it's not like chillable red is like a particular grape. That's only that's the like one wine is chillable. It is. It's become a moniker to just like when a red wine is still good, chilled, essentially, or interesting. Yeah. Still chilled. Yeah. And today we're drinking Gamay, right? We are. We are drinking Gamay. It's kind of funny that I picked this wine. This is the Uva Non Grata Gamay. It was one of our best-selling wines last year, and we didn't start carrying it till September. <laughs> so it's kind of funny mm. that I'm picking like a wine that I know many, many of our listener customers have had already. And if you're more of a visual person, it's that black and white kind of graffiti-esque label, if that means anything to you. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who aren't already familiar with this wine, or maybe you just need a little nudge to pick it up, even though it's hot outside, 
There are grapes that work better with a chill on them. I mean, you could genuinely drink anything that you want. You could drink with a chill on it. But for the most part, people tend to think of lighter bodied reds, lower tannin reds as like the ones that benefit from being cold, that something interesting happens to them. If you chill a cab, the tannins just kind of make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth and you don't really get much out of it. So like... You know, I I wouldn't really go that route. But in this case, this is Gamay. So there's a nice bit of tart fruit and you get some minerals and it's cold and refreshing. All that good stuff. Yeah, it's I really like this Gamay in particular because it's in the style of what I like. I get more of the hints of graveliness with and that style of Gamay that I appreciate instead of the like huge black plum thing that some Gamays, especially at lower price points, get. And this there's some, I feel like, plum going on, but it's not dominating the palate. And there is enough of the minerality where I'm, like, tantalized and excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah. You saying that, I was just immediately kind of transported to walking down a gravel road in the summer. You know what I mean? Like, it really has that kind of, like, crunchiness Which I it. love. It's so cool. And it's yeah. an affordable version of really cool gamay. I think that's what I'm getting at is that... The more expensive, there's a really amazing gamay's that I've tried, and I'm sure you have. But I think gamay's often underappreciated or overlooked by the majority of folks, and so this is, I think, a stellar pick to get into. Yeah, and this this is the new vintage. It came back maybe a month or so ago, mm. and so delightfully, it didn't take a price increase. It's like the only wine. <laughs> It's like that, no mm. wines anymore. I'm not able to say that about anything. So it's still under 15. Um, Amazing. Which is just great because it is the kind of wine. I poured this for a friend last night as he's trying to pick party wines for a 40th birthday party. Mm. And, you know, it's hard to kind of pick. Like, what is the red wine that someone wants to drink in July at an outdoor party? And then he took one sip of this and he's like, done. Like, done. We know we know that this is the wine. Yes, it really is spectacular. And I want—I have to bring up, because I think you had shared with me this Instagram account, I think like Subculture Sommelier. And I was like, oh, of course there's wine meme Instagram accounts. And they had one recently, a, a meme <laughs> about, I forget all the details, but essentially getting at the fact how Pinot Noir is so celebrated and beloved and gets all of this attention in France in particular. And Gamay is, is like the underappreciated cousin that no one cares about. Like, the you know, what's the... Hideous stepsister. What if I get hideous? The redheaded the, stepchild. Red, that's me. Yes. The I was redheaded say, are you stepchild. Not, you don't want to say that because you don't want to admit that that's what other people say, Andy. I'm sorry. Exactly. That's what they say. The redheaded stepchild. Thank you. I just block out the pain from that. <laughs> Screw those people and their mean words. Yeah. Because it is. I'm kind of fascinated by why Pinot Noir has. I mean, I'm sure there's many reasons historically, but Gamay as another light-bodied red famously grown in France that like Pinot Noir gets all of the attention I think at least in in the United States compared to Gamay and this is like I mean we talk about Gamay I think around Thanksgiving always like it's a yeah. great Thanksgiving wine but it is a, a great light-bodied red wine that should be part of your repertoire especially if you like Pinot Noir like right. light-bodied Pinot Noir yep I'm headed to Beaujolais this fall and so I will come back and have lots of jazz hands about Gamay so yes stay yes. tuned yeah, it's just super tasty, light red wine. That- yeah, and like I said, there are lots of options. Like if you don't want Gamay or you've had it and you want to try other things, you know, Italian Barbera is a really good one. Lots of wines from Sicily or Sardinia, like the Italian 
islands are good for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, really anywhere like hot, you can kind of try. And then there's this whole like other trend of glue glue, you know, these like mm. really drinkable lower alcohol wines. And those are also chillable reds. So at table wine, those wines tend to be made by natural wine producers. They're not inexpensive, but they mm-hmm. are damn delicious if you want to put a chill on them. So, They're so good. There's lots to explore. Yeah. 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 Feel free to chill your reds. I guess any red, really, if you want. Yeah, chill it and see what you think, right? There's yeah. no wrong answer here. Well, should we let things decant? Yes. Pick yes. a topic and let it breathe a little bit? Yes, Andy, what's our summer so, topic? I think it's time to talk about some television because I and personally have been overwhelmed by the amount of incredible television out there. Amazing. Uh, it was hard to pick. A th- I have like a few different things I want to talk about, but I've decided on one that I truly think is exceptional. And it is Barry. Oh, Season yeah. Season three just wrapped up on HBO. It's Bill Hader's baby, right? And it was gone for since pre-pandemic. Like they didn't film when other things were going. Like the pandemic put him on delay. So it's like three years, I think, since their last season. And... For good reason, this past season was unbelievable. I guess the theme that came to mind for me during it, without giving things away, is how bad things or and bad actions that might, you know, associate someone as a bad person can lead to good things for good people. Mm. And I'm just, I think it's a really interesting theme. But like, yeah, what bad, like, can bad things beget good things has been on my mind from this show but otherwise it's technically the, the the people on the street I feel like are talking about how it is a comedy series and like for award shows and Emmys it's like submitted as a comedy but it is possibly the most dramatic and dark television show or at least like big television show out there right now so it is really dark forewarning you there but it is also <laughs> it just incredible storytelling super refreshing There have been just like every, you don't know what to expect every episode and from scene to scene where I'm laughing out loud, about to cry, and then like holding a pillow, clutching it in front of my face because I'm afraid about what's going to happen. So highly recommend Barry. It took me a bit to get into the first season. I had to like restart a couple times when it first came out. So I know some folks are like, I don't know. But once you get like halfway through season one, the rest of it is just pure amazingness. So this is where I'm embarrassed to admit that I am woefully unprepared for this segment because I don't really watch TV because I start shows and then I get bored and then I don't finish them. (laughs) So like everybody who listens to this podcast is fully familiar with my love of Sally Rooney. I started the Conversations with Friends show. I didn't like the way the two characters kissed. Connor and I were like, ew, I don't want to watch those people kiss. (laughs) And we just turned it off because like, I'm sorry, if you don't find the people like... If you're not vibing on what they're doing, like that's the point of that show. So I turned that off. We watched Succession. I was like fully obsessed. I was like, oh my God, finally, I'm going to watch a whole show. And then started season three. And then I was like, I really don't care anymore. What? And we stopped (laughs) watching. So um, I don't have an answer to this question because really what I do is I watch a couple episodes of something and then I move on to the next thing. You're breaking my heart. Do but you love Succession season three? Please? I love Succession season three. Too. Really? I, I think apparently I was one of the people that was singing its praises into season three. And then other people were like, I don't think season three is as good as one and two. And I found it spectacular. I, 
So we're just gonna talk about I could talk about Succession forever because I, it's a show that to me is very dramatic in like a play version. Like the episodes are like you can see how this could be done on a stage. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, and I think I'm very partial to shows that I feel like could be staged and watched live. And I just love seeing where they, like the the lives of the uber rich. I just love where they go. Just literally, the environments are so spectacular to look at and fascinating. I, I think I reached show. a point where I just didn't, I wasn't cheering for any of them. I just was like starting to hate like all of the characters, like so much that I didn't want to see any of them do <sighs> anything turn out for them. And like, I'm, I'll back up and I'll say like, I'm the person who watched one and a quarter. No, I don't think I even finished a full episode of Breaking Bad. And I was like, why would I watch this? Like, I don't want to cheer for drug, drug makers. And everyone's like, what? I've never seen The Sopranos because I just am like, meh. Like, I just don't watch I, those TV shows. I just don't have an interest in it. I get it. I do get it. And I just, I'm baffled that you got through two two seasons and then gave up. There I is a scene. I was in it. And I feel like we will eventually finish okay. it. You know, like I do, Connor like learned the theme song on the piano. Like I really, <laughs> I was so excited. And also I have to say that I was so excited to be part of the zeitgeist. I mean, I know I was like late to the show or, or like late to the party, but I was like, oh. <gasps> I'm watching something that other people are watching. And I was like so excited about it. What's the Dakota Fanning, uh, Catherine the Great show? That's what oh, I watch. Oh, The Great. The Great. That's yes. a show I watch. I watch the whole thing. And I, you watched uh, all of season two? Yes. And I will watch I will watch it again when it comes back out. So. I had to give up on season two. I, got, I need to get back into it. I was less thrilled. See, it's hard. All it's these hard. seasons of things. I will, Okay. I have to say about Succession, in season three, halfway through the season, there is a scene about wine, or that wine is very much a central yes. point. And it is one of the best scenes yes. about wine I've seen yes. ever, yes. where it's this beautiful metaphor for so much of what's going on. Yeah. And, but you're like, oh, this is legit wine talk. Like, here is a... I know. And I was know. so happy because I was like, oh my God, I like know what people are talking about now. Yeah, they're talking about wine. It's great. So, I know. I'm sorry you don't love TV as much as me. It's okay. I, you know, a lot of the movie podcasts I, t- I listen to talk about the fact that so many of the shows would just have been movies in, m- in my younger years. Mm. And that's really what I come down to is like, these should be indie movies that are two hours long and that story is done. And instead there are these like, I don't know, these arcs that just never end and we have to make things more complicated. And like, you know, I think the chair, the Sandra O oh show oh, yeah. is like the perfect example of that. That's a movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. And instead, it was yeah. this show that like no one saw, even though <laughs> she's freaking awesome. I mean, she's wonderful in it. Yep. And whatever his name, Duplass is, he's great in it yep. too. But like, <gasps> just so much of the stuff that I like, the kind of storytelling I like, I'm like, I want it to be a 90 to 120 minute movie. I don't want it to be a show. I fully agree. I think that's very accurate of the times. And that's why I think I'm going to have a harder time talking about a movie because I've been watching so much more TV. Because that's the mode I'm in, where it's like a whole different era of storytelling that it's hard to get myself back. I'm just going to take a, a, a an hour and a half instead of yeah. committing myself to 10 hours or 30 hours of content over, you know, however long. This is where the difference in our generations really show, Andy. I know. <laughs> I think true. so. I, I, I really do. Yeah, it's true. Well, I'm glad we talked about this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for letting me, um, you know, admit my TV fault with everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm also a little sad for you that you don't like the Conversations with Friends show. I haven't watched it. I mean, read the book. I know you liked the last Sally Rooney adaptation. I so did. I'll just keep watching normal people on repeat. It's fine. 
Good, good. It's okay. Yeah. But let us know if you're watching anything good. Maybe you'll convince me that there's a show out there. Or so if much you love good. Barry, chat with Andy oh. about that. <laughs> I like a lot of TV. There's a lot out there. Okay, good. Oh, stop there. Okay. Well, this was delightful. I'm delightful. You're delightful. Chin chin, Andy. Chin chin. The Table Wine Podcast is brought to you by me, Andy Stoiber, and Molly Moran. Special thanks to Craig Ely for his production consultation. If you're enjoying what we're doing here and want to support us, you can do so at tablewinemadison.com slash podcast. And as always, please review, rate, like, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. Hope you tune in again soon.